The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Approximately 115 members of the American Council of the Blind attended the organization's annual legislative seminar, which was held in Arlington, Virginia, in February. ACB Reports for April 2007 devotes the entire program to a presentation of ACB legislative goals and accomplishments as presented at the seminar by Advocacy and Governmental Affairs Director Day Al-Mohammed. The session began with opening remarks by ACB President Chris Gray. Legislation is my passion. It is the reason I ever joined an organization of blind people. I know there's a lot of other great things we do and we need to do, and it always kind of strikes me as funny that as president of ACB, I have virtually no opportunity to do anything regarding legislation, such as life. I'm not complaining. I don't mind it a bit, but I I just want you to know, when I was an intern in the ACB national office in 1976, Derwood McDaniel was a good reader of people, and he knew that legislation was something that just really turned me on. And he worked my tail off all summer on legislation. And it was great. It really is what attracted me to ACB. The work you're going to do this weekend, the work that you'll be able to do on Capitol Hill, is really the backbone of why we organize as blind people. One of the most effective ways of making life better for blind people that we can affect directly is legislation. Yes, there are many other things, technology, for example, but few of us in this room have the expertise to create the kinds of technology innovations that will change our lives. I can program a computer, but I sure couldn't create a chip that made the computer. Maybe there's somebody out there doing that who who is blind and visually impaired. But each one of us in this room can communicate, can talk with our Congress people, can take forward a message that ACB helps to create about Social Security, about video description, about any number of things that markedly change lives for all blind people in this country and even in the world. That's what we're about today, and I'm very, very happy that all of you have come representing your states. Thank you for the efforts you've already put forth and that I know you will put forth in the next few days. Now, legislation and influencing people is a tricky business, and you have to recognize and accept that you're not always going to be winning in that game, you're not always going to succeed, but we will always, always try. I'm about to turn the podium and the microphone over for the rest of the weekend to one of two people. Sometimes you'll hear from our executive director, Melanie Brunson, and right now and many other times you'll be hearing from a young lady who we have come to know very well, who does great things for advocacy, for legislation, keeping us informed about them. I'd like now to introduce to you our Director of Legislative and Governmental Affairs, Day Al-Muhammad. Give her a hand. (laughs) 
Chris. You'll have to excuse me if I go a little fast. Let's start with what were our imperatives last year? We're always moving on new issues because, you know what, Congress, as slow as they may be sometimes, they're always moving on to new things, and so we never get to hear what happened before. Last year, our first imperative was emergency preparedness. We saw what happened along the Gulf Coast. We had over 300 members in the affected area. And let me just say, for those chapters and affiliates who were in that area, it was amazing to see what you did for each other and for your members, and I think you really deserve a big hand for that. So, and as a national organization, we need to step up to the plate and support those efforts. If they're on the ground doing the one-on-one with people, then we need to make sure that efforts were made at the federal level, that people were protected so that when things happened again, because it's going to happen again, that there are accommodations. And it's not just about accommodations. It's about inclusion. Nobody ever asked, what does somebody who's blind or visually impaired need? Well, how about the information to begin with? So we had a list of things we were supporting, and and this is where one of the things that makes me really happy is one of our biggest successes is the fact that almost every one of those points of things that we were asking for, which was the inclusion of people with disabilities in every phase of emergency management activities at all levels of government, the inclusion of people with disabilities in post-disaster case management services, in creating requirements for accessible temporary and replacement housing, in non-discrimination, in the provision of services on the basis of disability, and the creation of a national disability coordinator in FEMA. We got every one of those in H.R. 5441. And that pass- the passage of that bill can be directly traced to advocacy efforts by ACB members, both in legislative seminar last year and throughout the year. So that is your work. Thank you. You did that. As a part of that, ACB put out two brochures last year, Emergency Preparedness for People Who Are Blind and Visually Impaired and also Emergency Preparedness for Your Service Animal or Pet. And copies of this have been requested by individuals, agencies across the country. We've had calls from the CDC and other organizations saying, we would like your information. We want to use that. Special thanks to guide dog users who, when I said, hey, here's the information, I need it back quickly. They turned it around in two weeks. And for members, for being able to say, hey, I need you to check this. A member in Texas forwarded it to Texas emergency management people and said, can you look at this? Are we doing it right? And so we will start seeing that information, not just within our community, but it's being used by other people everywhere. ACB stepped up and is a leader as far as this issue is and in dealing with not just preparedness in general, but as far as communication issues. I think this culminated recently in a presentation for the Homeland Defense Journal on emergency communications. And actually, just Friday, we actually filed comments about accessibility and outdoor emergency warning systems. That's an awful lot to have gotten done in one year. Video description restoration. This is one of those long-term issues. I, I know everyone goes, oh my goodness, we've been doing that for years. And it's tough. Television programming relies more and more on visual information. And without video description, which is, I guess, our equivalent of uh, closed captioning, we're not having access to that. And technology is moving ahead. You can see this programming now on computers and on iPods, and who knows where it's going to show up next. And so it's one of those things that we actually have to keep fighting. It's going to take years, but it's also one of those points of where you don't want to be left behind. You can't afford to be left behind. And there were two bills that were put forward last year, 
by uh, Representative Markey, and the other one was by Senators Stevens and McCain, both who have been long-term supporters of this. And eventually, they were rolled into a single bill, which is a huge telecommunications bill, which was Senate Bill 2686. And it had a lot of good stuff on accessibility for people who are blind and visually impaired. Unfortunately, it also had a lot of things that we may not quite agree with, one of which had information on net neutrality. But the issue was, and this is one of the things I'm actually very, very proud of the membership for, because I said, this is the train leaving the station. If we want it, this is what we have to do. And a lot of members said, well, I'm not so sure about the bill, but we're going to push for accessibility. And the thing is, that bill made it through the Senate, did not get done in the House. But what happened is a report came out as a part of the movement of that bill. And that report says, this accessibility, this video description is important. So even though the bill itself failed, which actually it might not be such a bad thing for because of all those extra pieces in it, we were able to get Congress to say as a whole, this is important and we think it should be there. So as a result, it means this year we can start pushing on it anew and this time we can focus on our issues and our accessibility. And actually the plus side is we already have a couple of legislators that said, hey, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in adding it on to all these other tech bills, but let's do the accessibility, and we don't have to worry with some of the other negative consequences. As a part related to the telecommunications, the FCC passed regulations last year that seemed to say people with sensory disabilities don't really need to have full access to programming, and it's okay if you don't necessarily provide emergency information to people with sensory disabilities in a manner they can access. That was pretty ugly. I'm like, for God's sake, you just had these hurricanes, and now you're telling these stations that they can get away with not putting it in an accessible format? And the issue in particular was faced around closed captioning. At some point, I just simply said, well, why are the blind people supporting this? It's not like they can use closed captioning. And what it is is the fact that if it has to do with the idea of accessibility, it doesn't matter. It's going to impact all of us at some point because who knows, by the time video description came up there and the FCC said, no, nah, you don't have to describe the fact that a wildfire is coming to your house in California. Uh, you'll figure it out some other way. We actually managed to put out some strong support for the um, deaf community, the National Association of the Deaf, and were successful in forcing the FCC to change the requirement back to require access. That's pretty impressive. And this is where you see the fact that pulling together is important because as a result of that, we had eight separate deafness and hard of hearing organizations sign on in support of video description. Recently, there was talk about the AT&T and Bell South merger. I put out an update saying, well, why should ACB care about a corporate merger? Well, every time there's a merger that big, you know, they have to get permission from the FCC. And so we said, well, why don't we send a note in saying, Hey, FCC, if you allow them to merge, we think you should make them have to do some accessibility things while you're at it. After all, when they merge, they're going to become probably the largest conglomeration that's providing electronic entertainment programming and communications in history. And the fun part is, December 29th, AT&T sent a letter saying, yes, we'll meet some of those disability accessibility provisions. That's the first time that's happened. So... For those of you who are more electronically motivated, and some of you may have heard of it, some of you may not, there's talk about satellite radio with XM radio, I think, in serious merging. And I know that there was a proposal in front of the FCC about whether that was going to be an issue. And we thought, hey, maybe here's another opportunity to send a note saying, 
What about accessibility, you guys? Let's, let's send a reminder that you keep that going. We're trying to stay on the cutting edge here of technology that's just starting to become part of the mainstream and push for accessibility. So what started last year is just video description. This year has expanded into full telecommunications. So let's get in there from the ground up. All right, our third issue last year was pedestrian safety. 5,000 people are killed every year on our streets. 70,000 more are injured. Now, if you consider, okay, what percentage of we have the population, that's still a large percentage of people. We supported a resolution, House Concurrent Resolution 235. We wanted states to require that driver's license candidates demonstrate as a condition for obtaining a driver's license an ability to ex exercise increased caution when driving in the proximity of an individual who uses a white cane or dog. The driver's driving and they see somebody with a cane or a dog, you know, hmm, that person might be blind. I better not drive like an idiot. It was a resolution. And it's been out there for a few years. And guess what? This year, it passed. So it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a good year for ACB. And it's one of the things we don't usually get to do is celebrate. One of our strongest arenas has always been pedestrian safety, has always been transportation, and people called about it. I think I sent out five or six alerts over the entire year, and there were always responses to it. I know the Illinois folks, um, Lane Evans, who was the sponsor of the bill, it was his last year. He was sick. He was not making it in to the Hill that often, and yet he still made sure that that bill got through. And you know what? This is where ACB remembers its friends, made sure to meet him personally and thank him, because that's what we do. We're responsible to our members. We're responsible to our friends and our supporters. The result of that is we're going to get things passed. We're going to make things better, because that's what Legislative Seminar is about. Our last issue last year was the Randolph Shepard Act and Javits-Wagner Day Act. We're dealing with employment opportunities for people who are blind and visually impaired. That one, I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, I'm not sure I understand this. And it was a tough issue. There was a lot of negative press, and there were a lot of negative feelings in Congress about it. And what happened is that ACB members went up there and said, look, this is important. This is about employment. This is about livelihood. And when you're tinkering with this, this is not just a little feel-good bill. This is people's daily lives. And if you do this, you are risking that. So what we managed last year was to stop Congress from doing, I always hate to say, stop them from doing anything stupid. But in truth, that's kind of what it was. So they did not manage to put out any legislation, really positive or negative, last year. This year, though, there has been a lot of rumblings. The Democrats are in charge now. And they're like, you know what? We saw that press. We think there's a problem. We're going to fix it. And a lot of us are like, I'm not sure you have the right understanding of the program. And in some ways, I'm not sure they do. Because if you're reading a newspaper, that doesn't tell you how something operates. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of them are getting their information. And so it's up to us to make sure that they get the right message. And so we will be up there this year making sure that they get it right. So that's basically what we want to talk about, just at least the successes out of legislative seminar. Now, for this upcoming year, we actually have three imperatives. We again have the Randolph Shepard Act and the Javits-Wagno Day Act. The information is in your packets. Special thanks to Melanie Brunson and Pat Beatty, who both wrote out the papers themselves in great detail this year. And let me just say, I read through it, and I'm like, wow, I can understand this. And so the idea is to take that and say, this is what we want to have happen this year. A lot of times people complain, God, I'm just responding to Congress. I'm just saying, don't do this or stop doing that. This year... 
we're stepping out. We're going to lead the pack. We're going to say, here are the things we want you to put into legislation. We are making our suggestions for what we think would be a good idea. We're going to propose legislation and propose language. And that's where we're going to start, is with that bill. Our second imperative is telecommunications. And you notice when I talked about video description results from last year, I wasn't kidding when I talked about expanding it this year. It isn't just about video description. We're going to push beyond that. We're going to talk about the fact that if you're going to take those same television shows onto the Internet, you better make sure that video description's on the Internet, too. Everyone's talking about Internet protocol technologies. Okay, I'm not real sure what an Internet protocol technology is, but I do know that if sighted people are starting to get to it, then they better start making sure that disabled people can have access to it, too. We want to be on that cutting edge because otherwise all we're doing afterwards is trying to do add-ons. And that's not going to get us what we want, which is that full inclusion. Also in telecommunications, and I'm sure a lot of you are going to love this one, or at least I do, was requiring accessible interfaces on video programming devices. Doesn't that sound fancy? Yeah. yeah? Okay, you know what that means? It means I'm tired of buying a television that when I try to figure out how it works, it's nothing but on-screen menus. Yeah. You can't use it. And the same goes for VCRs and DVD players. They are on-screen menus. We've got complicated remote controls. We may, we may not get it legislatively, but you know what? We're going to make sure they hear about it. They need to hear about it because television's changing. And we need to make sure that they know about it and that they're aware of it because if we can start now, who knows what we can get. And our last issue, which I'm sure everyone is tired of hearing about, and this is why I go, it's actually pretty short, has to do with verified voting access. Didn't we do that when we finally got the Help America Vote Act passed? I thought HAVA was about that. Yes, HAVA was about that. HAVA says, you know, you have to make voting accessible. A blind person should have a private and independent vote. Now, if someone remembers a few years ago, there was a big to-do about certain elections. Well, they aren't secure. And so now that Congress has flipped, that concern has surfaced, and it surfaced strong. There are a lot of proposals. People say, we want to make it more secure. I don't have a problem with that. I want my vote to be as secure as the next guy's. And that's what I mean. I want it to be as secure as the next person who may not be using a machine or who is decided and filling it out on paper. The problem is that a lot of the talk is saying, well, we're going to use just a paper ballot or we're just going to use a paper trail. Well, you know, I can't say I absolutely hate the idea of a paper trail if there's a way for me to verify that what's on that paper is what I voted. Why should I not have the right to check my paper? Because that's what they're saying. They're saying, well, we're going to get this paper trail so people can check their votes and they'll make sure it's exactly what they voted so we have no voter fraud. But what about people who are blind and visually impaired and using machines? Well, we'll, we'll worry about them later. Yeah, that, that's what I thought you'd say. You know, but that's what the feeling has been. Security first, accessibility second. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't think we want to go backwards, do we? No! No! A lot of the voting security groups, actually, we've been working with them here in D.C. They're starting to get it. They're like, security and accessibility. And that's what we're saying, too. There's no reason we can't have both. No reason. So those are our three imperatives. Now, those of you who've actually had a chance to look through the packets will realize, wait, there's three more issues in here. 
And that's because um, anybody who knows me knows I love legislative stuff and policy, and if I can get anyone else to do more of it, I will. But you'll like these issues. These are what I wanted to list as our secondary issues. They're not secondary because they're any less important. They're secondary in part because, one, they may not necessarily be something that's applicable to Congress, or two, they're secondary because Congress will probably ask you about them. And the first one is the currency case. Hopefully everyone has heard by now that in 2002, ACB filed a lawsuit against the Department of Treasury saying blind people can't access paper money. Do something about it. And just this last year, the court said, do something about it, Department of Treasury. ACB's right. So what this is, is just a letter to Congress. In the past, Congress said, you know what? This is important. And the Treasury didn't listen. So this is our way, I guess, of, of making a preemptive strike, of making sure Congress is aware. But it's also the fact that Congress reads the newspaper, too. And they've seen that case. And they're interested in it. And they'll probably ask you about it. And so if they ask you about it, let them know what a big deal this is. Let them know how important it is to you and how it's going to impact your life. Because they need to hear it. The second one is the Americans with Disabilities Restoration Act. Over the years, courts have been narrowing the definition of disability. And so the disability community as a whole is saying, Congress, you need to look at this again because the courts have been getting it wrong. And the emphasis in particular and the groups particularly pushing it are uh, groups for people with epilepsy and those with diabetes. Because guess what? You're not covered, or at least that's the way the courts have been looking at it. If you're a diabetic and you say, hey, I need to take a snack, and your employer goes, you're fired. You can't file a lawsuit under the ADA, or you can file, but you're going to lose. So what happens is, hmm, well, if I tell them I'm a diabetic and I take care of myself and I manage my sugar, I can't do anything. But if I let my sugar go and I don't take care of myself and I lose my vision to a point where I am now blind, I'm covered. So regardless of your feelings on one way or the other, this is going around the hill this year. You will probably be asked about it. I want to make sure everyone has information so you know what's going on. My number one rule is I want to make the ACB membership the most informed membership of any organization. The third issue is Social Security. And this one is just plain old on-the-ground problems with Social Security. There are a lot of issues in Social Security disability income and also supplemental security income. And part of it is the way they wrote the regulations originally. What it does now is that it doesn't take into fact the way the world works now. And what it does is it forces people to stay in poverty. And it forces people to be dependent on the government. And you know what? People want to work. You know how many people want to work? The numbers I have are 79%, more than that. And they can't. Because what's going to happen is, well, they can lose their health care. Or they're not going to earn enough that's going to keep them. So what they do is, is they stay on the Social Security rolls because that's the only option they have. Because the way the regulations are written, the way the law is written, there's nothing they can do. And they said, do you know what these people are living off of? I'm sure some of you know. The average number I have is $850 a month. Now, depending on where you are, that can get pretty ugly. And um, if you're on SSI and you get married, you lose even more money. So, huh. Our government's saying it's bad to get married? At least Social Security is. Basically, this year, we're going after things that we want to do. Some of the stuff there is not legislation on. Some of the stuff there was legislation in the past. But ACB is setting its own agenda. We are going to go out there 
and we're going to change the way the world looks at us, and we're going to change the way the world works. So our goal tomorrow is to learn, and our goal Tuesday is to make change. That was Day Al Mohammed, the former director of advocacy and governmental affairs for the American Council of the Blind, as recorded at the ACB Legislative Seminar in February of 2007. Day has accepted a position as Senior Legislative and Federal Affairs Officer for the American Psychological Association. She left her employment with the American Council of the Blind on March 21st. ACB Executive Director Melanie Brunson says this is truly a disappointing development because Day has done a lot of work to advance our advocacy and legislative agenda. We congratulate her on her new appointment and she will be truly missed. This reporter will especially miss her rapid-fire delivery, which often created editing challenges in the production of ACB reports. This departure means that applications are now being taken for a new Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs at the American Council of the Blind National Office in Washington, D.C. The applications must be received by May 15, 2007. For additional information about this job and the application process, Contact the American Council of the Blind at the address which follows in a moment. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports. Connecting the blind community around the world, this is ACB Radio.